Welcome to Thrive Church, everybody. We are so happy to have you here, whether you're with us in person at one of our campuses, Torrington, New Britain, Terryville, or if you're watching online, we welcome you. We are so glad to have you here. My name is Judah Thomas, and I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive, and we are excited to have you. And next week, I want to invite you as we're starting a brand new series called Finding Joy. Finding Joy. You know, in this world that, that we live in, it's so easy to find the negative, but we're going to be looking for joy. We're going to be studying the book of Philippians uh, for the next several weeks, so we'd like to invite you to come out for that as we start that new series next week. And today we are continuing, actually concluding our series called Spirit Guide. And, and you know, uh, when Jesus went to heaven, he left us with a guide, the Holy Spirit. One who would come to comfort us, to help us, to give us peace, to give us wisdom and direction. And, and today we're going to be talking specifically about getting free. Has anybody here ever been ever been stuck before, stuck in any way, shape, or form? Okay, most of you have been. Uh, you know, maybe you've been uh, driving somewhere and, and you got stuck, or 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 you've uh, maybe been stuck in a situation. You know, you've been stuck in in a dead end job or or something like that. We've been stuck several years ago. Uh, uh, we were my wife and I went up to uh, I guess it was New Hampshire, and we were up there visiting friends, and I went to pull in the driveway. And, and, and the snow, it was in the winter, and the, the wind had blown the snow so, so smoothly across the surface. And we didn't realize that their, their driveway was elevated about this high, and there was a ditch on the other side. And so I just drove, like, right off into the ditch and, and ended up getting stuck there. Had to have somebody help me out. And, and, you know, we've been stuck in our lives from time to time, stuck in a, in a relationship, stuck in an addiction. Well, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring freedom into your life. He wants to bring freedom into your life. He wants to bring freedom from the past. Many of us have things in our past that we wish we could forget. We have things in our past that, that haunt us to this very day. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring freedom from your past. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring freedom from addiction. So many people, they battle addiction. Maybe it's food addictions or, or, or alcohol addictions or drug addictions or, or we could be addicted to, to so many other things, addicted to, to, to media, social media, all kinds of things. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to bring some freedom from pain that you've been experiencing. Maybe physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. He ultimately wants to bring freedom from sin. Sin holds us back and it drags us down. The Holy Spirit wants to bring freedom from shame and bring freedom from bondage. The Holy Spirit brings freedom from fear and anxiety and depression. If, if we are walking with Him, I believe that He wants to bring freedom into your life today. Now, have you ever tried to, to break free of, of something on your own? You try to break free of something. You know, I, I, I've got this, this chain here. And, and this is this is a pretty strong chain. You know, I, I, I'm not terribly weak. You know, I can break some things. I, I used to do these feats of strength where you'd bend metal bars and stuff like that. But, you know, something about this chain here, if I wanted to break it, I would have no chance at all. There is nothing I could physically do to break this on my own. In fact, I don't think there's anyone that can because, because it, it's beyond the capability of what one person can do. 
And see, in our life, there's chains that we have, things that, that hold on to us, that drag us down, that we can't get free from them, even if we try. And we need the Holy Spirit to bring freedom. We need someone from the outside to bring freedom into our life. Are we allowing the Spirit to bring freedom? So you know what most people try to do when they want freedom? Most people, they, they say, if I do enough good things, maybe I can break free on my own. You know what, they, there's no chance you're going to be breaking free from that. You might, you might break free from a, you know, a little tiny chain, a little plastic one or something, but you're not breaking free from this on your own. It says here in Zechariah 4, 6, the second half of the verse, it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Underline that, but by my spirit, not by my might and not by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. See, we don't get freedom because we are strong. We don't get freedom because we have the capacity and the ability. It's only by the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. We often get these ideas that we can overcome these things on our own. You know, and, and, and many people, they, they, they get involved with, uh, with recovery programs to overcome certain recovery things, and, and they're great. But one of the things that many of the recovery programs challenge people with is finding a higher power. They say, it doesn't really matter what it is. It can be, it can be a chair if you want it to be. I'm like, okay, well, what's that chair ever done for me? Well, I guess it's supported my weight from time to time, but, but, but how can that chair be my higher power. See, we, it, it's a little bit misguided because in your notes, the Holy Spirit is not a higher power. He is the higher power. There is no power higher than the Spirit of the living God. You can put your faith in a chair or an egg or a potato if you want to, but it doesn't have any power. The one who has power is the Holy Spirit, our Lord. You might be strong. You might be strong enough to, to fight some little tiny battles on your own, but you're not strong enough for this. Many of you have maybe felt trapped before, that you need freedom. And you say, you know, there's just no way I can break free from this on my own. What I need now is some backup. It's time to call in the backup. It's time to call in the, 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 the forces of heaven's armies to come in and to give us the strength, to give us the freedom. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For the Lord is spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Underline that. Freedom. There is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Did you know the Holy Spirit is here with us right now? You don't have to, you don't have to invoke him. You don't have to do anything. Like He is here, and he is here with freedom. But the question is, is are we living in that freedom that he's offering us? See, where the Spirit is, there's liberty. Where the Spirit is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit is, there's deliverance. See, these are battles that you can't win on your own. Try as you may, you can't win these battles on your own, but there is freedom that is available to you. See, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he paid the price for your freedom when he died on the cross. He paid the debt that you could not pay when he died on the cross for us. And now the Holy Spirit wants to give you this freedom. See, there was a ransom. You were held at a great price, and Jesus paid that price. And now the Spirit is giving us that freedom. In your notes, there is no freedom apart from the Holy Spirit. There is no freedom. You, you might break free from a few things, but you will not live a free life outside of the Holy Spirit. See, only by God's Spirit can we be set free from the power of sin and death. The power that holds us back. Sure, we might be able to, to do a few little things on our own but we won't live the victorious life that God has for us 
outside of the Holy Spirit. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You know, Jesus purchased your freedom. Jesus purchased your forgiveness so that you can be free of the sin. You can be free of the shame. You can be free of the addictions. You can be free of the bondage that's held you back for so long. And, and you've struggled and you've strived and you've tried to do it on your own, but you couldn't do it. But Jesus is the one who paid the penalty. The ransom for your life has been paid once and for all. You can't earn it. You don't even deserve it, but Jesus died to purchase your freedom, and it's a free gift. So, here's how the freedom process works. You know, it's not always instant. See, when we talk about freedom, we like to think that it's always instant. And there are some cases, like you, I, I've talked to many people who, who over, you know, maybe they, they come to faith in Christ, and they were horribly addicted to something. And, and in that moment, they called out to God, and he immediately freed them from that. And those are amazing stories and wonderful stories, but it doesn't happen like that for everybody. In fact, most people, it doesn't happen like that. For most of us, it's a process. It's a journey of walking in freedom that God gives us. The first thing that, that tends to happen when the Holy Spirit brings freedom into our life is in your notes, that the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction. You know, what conviction is, is, is to, uh, to declare someone guilty. That's what conviction is. It's like they're, they're declared guilty. Or, or if we pronounce this differently, not convict, but we say convict, right? A convict is a person who has been declared guilty. Any convicts? No, I won't ask that question. Um, see, the Holy Spirit will, will convict us of sin. Now, this is not my job. My job is not to convict you. This is the work of the Spirit. Sometimes people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, convict you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some guilt on you. Maybe you have family members like that, right? It's like, like they're going to they're gonna make you feel guilty for everything, you know, for not doing this and not doing that and not measuring up. And maybe your boss, you know, he, he's trying to lay on the guilt. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about conviction. It says in, in John 16, verse 7, Jesus is speaking here. We, we've read this verse previously in the series, but, but I want to focus on something a little different. It says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Jesus is telling his followers here, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, he won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8, and when he comes, underline this, he will convict the world of its sin. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Well, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction of our sin. See, the Holy Spirit, what he does is he comes and he shines a light into our life and he exposes our sin. Has the Holy Spirit ever convicted you of something? Maybe there's something in your life that, that you've done or, or currently do. Maybe it's a behavior, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's an action or an addiction. Has he ever convicted you of that? See, true conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Some of you today may, may hear my words and, and you feel conviction. Maybe, maybe right now, some of you can, can picture that very thing that you know the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind, saying this is something you need to deal with in your life. You need to deal with this. 
Uh, almost every week, somebody comes up and says, it seems like you're, you're following me around. Like, like, how did you know I'm going through this? Like, I, I have no idea. Like, this is the work, not of me, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction into your life. So, so we, we feel this conviction. That's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. I can't bring conviction. All I can do is, is like I said, I can take you on a guilt trip maybe, you know. And some of us, we've been on guilt trips our whole life. You know, like somebody's always saying, like, you're just not good enough. You're not good enough. See, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about guilt. See, true conviction always points the way to God. It's not the same as guilt. See, guilt, guilt points to your sin, your shortcomings, how you've screwed up, messed up, jacked up your life. That's what guilt points to. You're not good enough. You're not, you can't measure up. You'll never be good enough. That's what guilt points to. Conviction, on the other hand, points to our Savior saying these are things in your life that God wants you to change. These are behaviors that he's not pleased with, and he wants to make you more like his son Jesus. And, and, and in doing so, these are things that need to be addressed. See, the goal of conviction is to bring change. The goal of guilt is just to bring condemnation, to make you feel bad. So conviction always points to freedom. The Holy Spirit will convict us. And then the next thing in your notes is that the awareness of our sin then leads to confession. When we are aware of our sin, now we can confess our sin to God. What does it mean to confess? If you're going to confess something, maybe you are a convict, and you're going to go and confess something, that means that you're going to go and you're going to admit that what you did was wrong. I, I, I'm going to say that I was guilty. Yes, I did what you said that I did. Yes, I did it. I am guilty. I am, I am confessing this to someone. This is a very important step in, in, in gaining freedom. It's a very important step in recovery. In fact, they say that in recovery, the, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. And see, that's what this is. It's admitting. It's taking ownership for, for it, saying, yes, I did these things. I have a problem. You have a problem. And that problem is sin. But when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, the conviction is an invitation for confession. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, but if we confess our sins, if we admit our sins to him, to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's a miracle right there. It says that if we confess our sin, no matter how bad it is, no matter what is in your past, no matter how many wrong things you've done, if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you and cleanse you from all wickedness. Now, perhaps you're one of the few sitting here saying, well, you know what? I just really haven't done that many bad things in my life. You know, I'm, I'm just pretty, pretty good person all around, just pretty good. I think God's probably impressed with me. I think God's happy to have me on his team. Well, then, then, then verse 10 is for you. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. And we're showing that his word has no place in our hearts. See, we've all, we've all messed up. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We've all sinned. We've all, we've all done so many things that have broken and separated our relationship with God. But if we confess... We confess. You know, so many people have been living in conviction for far too long. They're living in conviction, but they've never take this, taken the step of, of confession. They know what God expects of them, but then they're choosing to ignore it. I know I've done this in my life. I know what God expects, but, but I'm choosing to ignore it, never coming clean to God, never taking the time to admit I was wrong, to admit my own fault. 
See, God alone has the power to forgive sins, but it starts with that confession. Are we going to confess? Because if you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. The thing about confession is this, though. It doesn't end with this. Most people stop short right here with confession. See, this is the frustrating thing about confession. Many people will confess their sins to God, and then they'll fall right back into the same thing. Time and time again. They confess their sins to God, and they fall back into it. They confess their sins to God, and they fall back into it. They confess their sins, uh, they confess their sins to God, and they fall back into it. And it's because many people have missed the second part of confession. See, they've received the forgiveness, but they've not received the healing. They've not received the healing. They've not received the freedom that is offered to them. Look what it says here in James 5.16. For some of you, th- th- this is the missing piece. This is the missing piece in your life. You've been confessing and been being forgiven, but then you go back to it. It says here in 5.16, confess your sins to who? Each other. Okay, look around for a second. You mean those weirdos? Like, yeah. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Underline this, so that you may be healed. See, a lot of times we're forgetting this part. We say, well, I, you know, this is just between me and God. Yeah, it is, but you know what? This is also a community. Jesus came so that we could be in community with other people. It says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. See, we need that confession to another person. In your notes, we confess to God for forgiveness, and we confess to each other for healing. Why, why is that? Because it brings it out into the light. See, I can confess to God, and I can do it secretly and silently, and I confess to God, oh God, I'm so sorry, I did this, and then I turn around and I do the very same thing the very next day. But, but, but when I go and confess it to somebody else, it's like, I actually have to say this out loud. Another human is actually going to hear what I'm saying. See, don't stop short with the confession. We confess our sins to God, and yes, we are forgiven at that point, but if you want the true healing and the freedom that God brings that I would encourage you to take that step of confessing to another person. Why do we overlook this? You know why? Because it's not comfortable. Like, it's awkward. Somebody says, i, I got to confess some things to you. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want to know you that well, you know. Maybe just keep your, you know, like, like you know, I just want to say, hi, how are you doing? And you just say, fine. Like, don't really tell me. Why? Well, you know, as a church, we need to learn to be comfortable with uncomfortable things. We, we, need to, we need to be unshockable as a church. We need, to, we need to be willing to, people can come and they can say whatever jacked up, messed up thing. And it's like, you know, I, my job is not to give you guilt and condemnation and conviction. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. My job is to love you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to love you. God, on the other hand, it's his business to bring conviction and judgment into your life. So, so we need to get that, that, that right. So why do we overlook this? It's because of our own pride. My pride, I don't want people to think less of me. You know what? That person is not going to think less of you because they're probably dealing with something similar in their life. And maybe they need to confess some things as well. See, don't, don't allow pride to cause you to miss out on this freedom. And then, so we have the conviction, then we have the confession, and then from there, the final point in your notes is that we must then repent and turn from our sin. We got to repent and turn from our sin. See, what repentance means is, is to literally turn from, from the sin. Like, he, he, here's all my sin, all my chains, all my baggage right here. It's right here. And I say, I say God, I, I, just, I confess it to you. I repent of it. God, I repent of it. 
but I'm still dragging it around with me everywhere I go. Like, like that's what so many of us do. See, see to repent means I'm going to set it down and I'm going to go the other way. I'm, I'm not going to stay with it anymore. We need to, 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 to turn from it. See, that, that's the message that Jesus preached when he was here on this earth. It says in Matthew 4, 7, uh, 17, it says, From then on, Jesus began to preach. Listen to what Jesus preached here. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins and turn to God. To turn away. To turn away. So many of us are, are like Lot's wife. Maybe you know the story of Lot. If you don't know the story, basically there was this dude named Lot, and, and he had a wife. And um, we don't know what her name is, so we just call her Lot's wife. And they lived in this evil city. And God said, I'm going to destroy this evil city, so you better get out of town unless if you want to be destroyed along with it. So Lot gathers his family, and they're leaving the city. And, and the angel of the Lord says, oh, yeah, and don't even look back. Just go, and don't even look back. And as they're going out of this city, and their fire's coming down from heaven, it's destroying the city. And Lot's wife, she turns around and looks back. And in that moment, Scripture says that she was turned into a, a pillar of salt. Now, now my, my family's from the south, and, and we used to call pillows pillars. So I was always confused. I thought it was like a pillow of salt and, until I realized, no, it's a pillar, like, like a statuette of, of salt or something. I don't know how it happened. But, but here's Lot. She turns back, and she's turned into a pillar of salt. She looks back to, to her old life. Another example of this was the children of Israel. And they're in slavery in Egypt for well over 400 years. And Moses leads them out. They're miraculously released out of slavery. They are now free. They were once literally slaves and in bondage. And now they're experiencing the freedom that only God could bring. And as they're out there and they're wandering in the wilderness, you know what they're saying? They're saying, man, I miss Egypt because their garlic was the best. They had the good onions. They had the good food. And Oh, man, I could go for some of that food. You know what? I would die for that food. Yeah, you almost did because you're in slavery and they're free now. But all they can do is think about a few meaningless little things. They're looking back, looking back. See, we need to repent and go the other way. Here's the thing about repentance. We can't say that we've repented while we're still standing here holding on to our sin. Uh, like, like, I can't say I've repented until I let it go and move on. See, we think it's just words. Some people say, oh, yeah, yeah I, I repented of that. Well, what they really mean is they confessed it. I confessed it, but they didn't repent it. Because when they repent of it, it says, I'm leaving that behind, and I'm going another way. It's not words. It's an action to turn. See, in your notes, repentance requi may require burning some bridges. If you know the story of Cortez when he came to the New World, he came there with all of his troops, and they landed in the New World. And many of his troops were, were getting ready to, to kind of mutiny, and, and they wanted to turn on him. And you know what Cortez did? He went out, and he sunk all the ships. He said, there's no way you're going back now. We're burning the ships. Maybe there's some bridges that you need to burn in your life. Maybe there's some things you need to let go of. Last year, I was out boating, and when I was out boating, you know, I stopped in a little cove area and let the anchor down, and after a while, I was like getting ready to go on, and so I went to pull up the anchor, and it wouldn't budge. 
It was stuck there. And so I'm, I'm hitting all different angles. I'm trying to pull this anchor out, trying to pull the anchor out. I, I got the, the, the boat in reverse. I'm like trying to pull it with the power of the boat. And, and that anchor isn't going anywhere. And then finally I said, okay, it's time to cut the anchor line. I didn't want to do it. But this thing was holding me back from where I wanted to go. Some of us, we got to cut that anchor line in our life. We need to burn some bridges for some of us. For some of us, we maybe confessing to a friend gives us that push that we need, but, but for some of us, it takes a little bit more. We need, to, we need to cut up the credit cards. We need to end the job. We need to move out. We need to break off the relationship. We need to join a recovery group. Recovery group. Some of us, we need to take another step and, and burn some bridges. Maybe you need to delete some phone numbers. Maybe you need to delete some apps off of your phone. It says here in Romans 8, 12, I'm going to close with this verse. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Did you, did you catch that here? You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature asks you to do. You have no obligation to stay holding on to that addiction, to that sin, to that shame, to the past. You have no obligation to hold on to it anymore. He says... You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, then you will live. For all you who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You are not a slave to sin any longer. The Holy Spirit wants to bring freedom into your life. And this is a freedom that only He can bring. God wants to raise you up. He wants to raise you out of the mire of bondage, out of the swamp of addiction, out of the pit of despair, out of the trap of sin. He raised Jesus from the dead and he wants to raise you and give you the fullness and freedom of life with him father we come to you in jesus name and we thank you that you offer us freedom that you paid for freedom you paid for our forgiveness but lord sometimes we just don't want to let go Wherever you are, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of something, just confess that to Him now. Confess that to Him now. God, we confess these things to you. We know that you want some change in our life. We know that you want to bring freedom, so we confess these things to you now. Say, we were wrong. You were right. We're sorry for going down that path. We're sorry for choosing that path. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, he's offering you a free gift of forgiveness. It says in Romans that it, if you believe God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that you'll be saved. Won't you call on his name now? Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on him now. Jesus, you are my Lord. Father, bring us freedom. Give us freedom. Give us life. Give us liberty. Give us freedom from the bondage and shame from our past, from anxieties and worries and doubts and addictions. Give us your freedom because whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and we will walk in the freedom that only you can give us. And we thank you. We thank you in advance. We confess these things. We turn from our sin, and we say, today I choose to follow Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.